a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Voice of the Reason podcast. I am Jason Lee, along with Amy. Say your name. how are you? (laughs) I'm sorry, I was reading something. You caught me Uh, multitasking. Listen, Listen, uh, we are now... uh, Going along with a, an, an effort to familiarize our audience with the candidates running for federal offices coming up in November. And so we're having a candidate conversation today with Shireen Gorbani. She is the Democratic candidate in the Utah 2nd District. She is running against incumbent Chris Stewart. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And I want to uh, start off, and I'm going to kind of let Amy take the lead here, but I was hoping you you know tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, wonderful. So um, I am a first-time candidate. I am one of those people who saw what was happening on the national scene in 2016 and felt like um, it was time for us to have more options, better options. And with what was happening at the national level, at the federal level, I think that we just need to make sure that we're running candidates everywhere in every race so that people have a choice. Um, so I got into this race because of health care. Um, for me, in 2016, the personal and political collided in a really real way. Um, watching the election of a president who um, I would say violates some of my morals, my values, um, was really rough. Uh, but on top of that, I lost my mom to pancreatic cancer. Um, she raised me mostly by herself, um, was an educator her whole life. And in the end, um, we received a diagnosis in June of 2016, and by August 19th, she had died. And in that span of time, I saw up close how quickly families can lose absolutely everything with a major health crisis. We were very lucky because Medicare was there for us. She was 68 years old. As I mentioned, a single working mom. She paid into that system her entire life, Mm -hmm. and it was there for us when we needed it. Um, But coming through that, I started to really look around at what was happening, especially with regards to health care, and saw that my representative had voted against Obamacare 40 times without bringing solutions to the table. Um, So I started to pay really close attention to the votes that he was taking and found that on everything from clean air to um, our public lands to especially health care, um, it wasn't lining up with my values or what I thought was important for everyday working people in Utahns. Um, but I want to tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I grew up in, I think, what is not considered a well-known liberal bastion <laughs> of Bismarck, North Dakota. So I grew up there, like I said. So was... I actually now know someone from North Dakota. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Utah now, um, definitely, you know, this is where I've made my home. How does someone of Persian descent end up in North Dakota? Yeah, so uh, my mom was born out in West Montana on the North Dakota-Montana border, and that Wild West wasn't quite wild enough for her. So after teaching in Montana and Wyoming, she took a job in 1978 teaching in Iran, um, went to teach at an American school, and if you know your history of the Middle East at mm. all, not a great time to decide to move. 
to that, Iran. Yeah. To literally Iran. The, almost the worst time to have done Not it. good, yeah. yeah. Um, but in that span of time, taught and met my father in the streets. And it's actually a really incredible story of, you know, truly revolution breaking out, gunfire in the streets, and them falling in love in this backdrop of chaos and the, and the country really coming up on a huge change that has uh, shifted the course of that country for many years. Um, they got out while well, she was evacuated um, in uh, with the um, as the hostage crisis was right, like right, right. just before unfolding. that just unfolding, she was yeah. Yep, yeah. just unfolding. She was evacuated from the country. Um, they were able to connect, meet up, and actually she uh, got him a visa. They came to the United States and got married in that front room of the farmhouse she grew up in on that North Dakota Montana border. Um, so we were one of just a handful of Iranian families in 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 my hometown. Um, I like to say the Persians could like get together in, in my very modest living room, right? Like we had a very, you know, small house. Um, but that community was uh, very small there, but very, very strong and very proud. So that's how, that's how I ended up there. Do you have siblings? No, I don't. Um, no, I don't. Uh, my dad came, as I mentioned, came to this country, worked as a laborer, worked in factories, um, coached volleyball at a college, but mostly he struggled with alcoholism. And so by the time I was six, he left my family um, and had moved to California. So it was just the two of us, just my mom and I together. And are you married and have kids? I am. So I met my husband my first year of college. Um, I went to college in Minnesota, state school in Minnesota, Uh, met him my freshman year. And um, in 2013, we got married to serve in the United States Peace Corps together. So um, also we were in love. So it's a Disney movie. Yeah, Come so on. An interesting thing about um, my candidacy is that I would be the first female return Peace Corps volunteer to serve in Congress. We've had many men um, serve. Uh, there, there are some serving right now, but not a single female returned Peace Corps volunteer has been in Congress. I have a feeling that there's a lot of female firsts that are gonna that are coming. I yeah. I read about one every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, three years ago we had our son. So I have a son named Desmond, um, and he is in daycare here um, in Salt Lake City. Wow. Um... I don't even know where to begin And what do you do this. for your day job? Yeah, so I work at the University of Utah where I do communications, training, development. Um, I work with uh, communications on if you've been paying attention to what's happening at the U. Mm-hmm. I'm in the construction department. And so all of the change that's been happening there, getting the word out to campus and letting people know where sidewalks need are going to be. parking. Yes. <laughs> Everyone says that. Always need more Please parking. Please take transit. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's like, buy a bus pass. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's what I do in my day job. I'm also the board chair of the Rape Recovery Center. So I do my community work is really focused around um, preventing sexual assault and sexual violence. I have two master's degrees where I studied organizational communication and policy. So my expertise is really around that issue. Oh, my. Um, I We have about a minute. So I, I want to get to uh, one last thing. You know, as a person who's a first-time candidate, what do you think, I mean, how do you think you'll make a difference? Yeah. So I I think we have to really ask, you know, why why does anyone do anything? We need to have people who are willing to stand up and take those first steps. I think there are, you know, excellent examples all over the state of people who have done just that one person who stood up and said, I'm ready to make a difference. I'm a Democrat. Um, I also am a red state Democrat. I always have been living in places like North Dakota, Nebraska, and here. I understand that we need to work together, work across the aisle. So I'm really not just one person. I, I love the idea. You're listening to a candidate conversation. This is the Voices of Reason podcast.
Welcome to the Voices of Reason podcast. We're having a candidate conversation with Shireen Gorbani, who is the Democratic candidate for 2nd Congressional District. Um, I'm going to pick up where we left off in the last segment and talk about what was the reaction of your family and friends, people who your people you work with when you said, hey, I think I'm going to run for Congress. Yeah. So um, at the time. So this was 2016. Um, I I just kept looking at the votes that my representative was taking and looking around to see who was going to who was going to say no, you know, or, or who you could vote for. There's another yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like who's out there making the argument? And it just seemed like issue after issue, event after event was happening. And there wasn't a clear voice in this district saying there's another way we could have representation that more closely mirrors our values. Um, so watched for many weeks um, and then finally just thought, OK, if no one's if if no one's out there making a stink about some of the things that are happening that that impact us directly, everything from our air to health care mm-hmm. um, to events that were happening sort of on the national scale, um, everything from Charlottesville to uh, just things that our president is saying and doing that 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 go against the grain of our values and the things that we believe in. No one was out there making making a strong statement, and I was ready to. So um, when you told your family, what did they say? Um, they were excited. So my um, – I mean, my husband is the reason I'm able to get this done, right? Like being able to have somebody there, it makes me emotional to yeah. think about it. Um, because because yeah. every woman doesn't have it. No. You see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So – and friends lining up, people coming from – my immediate friend circle showing up to help with daycare, like, you know, like yeah. or watching my child in the evening as I go to events or mm-hmm. coming with us so that somebody's there to play with him as, <laughs> as I'm trying to speak. Um, but also really looking at um, this community that I think for a long time has felt there are a number of people, Democrats, but also people in the middle. The large majority of us are in the middle mm-hmm. that don't feel like we have a voice. And it's just been so exciting to meet people who stop me to say, what you're doing matters. Like my, the ones that make me so emotional are people talking about their daughters or their children, mm-hmm. you know, watching somebody stand up and, and be willing to be in the spotlight, to be out there on issues. Um, it's really important. Um, yeah. I'm honored to do it. And it's so exciting to be a part of a community that I think right, left, whatever people in the middle, largely here in Utah, were decent people. And it's been largely just overwhelmingly such a positive experience. Have you had the experience, though, of people dismissing you because you are a Democrat in a red state? And if you look at polling numbers, they say, well, you don't have a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, I will say the thing that's really unfortunate about what's happened in this district mm-hmm. is that we haven't had people that have run a, a really aggressive ground game um, in large part because of the challenges of this district. It stretches from Farmington, <laughs> catches a big chunk of downtown Salt Lake City, uh, goes out to Magna, to Willow, west side of West Valley City. Thank you, gerrymandering. Yeah, okay, keep yeah. going. Out to Wendover, weekend trip, down to St. George, all of Grand Staircases in this district. Did you just say St. George? Yes. Yeah. So, Canab. If you ever look at, if you don't, while we're talking about this, just Google the congressional maps. Yes, it's and- <laughs> it's well worth looking at. It's, it's insane. Yes, yeah. it is. It is. And I think what it does is create a real sense of apathy among a lot of voters. And that's what we're finding at the doors. So we are out there knocking on doors all over this district. And it's hard. It's difficult. It keeps me away from my family, which I don't love. For those who are um, listening, yeah. uh, what she's talking about, St. George is in the very bottom tip of the state of Utah. It is literally about 400 miles yeah. between Salt Lake City 
and St. George. That That is the district that we're talking about. At least that's how it stretches. Yeah, it's about, a, I think it's about five and a half hour drive from the top to the bottom of this district. And I think the other thing that's really important to look at are the ways that people have been cracked up, right? Like, yeah. so we, if you are driving south on I-15 and you're in, you know, passing downtown Salt Lake City, you're in the district. You hit uh, South Salt Lake, you're out of the district. You keep going to Scipio, you're back in the district. So. Wow. No, but here's the thing. The issues in in Scipio are not the same issues that are in Wendover or downtown Salt Lake. So this is where I just have to, I I think this is where we've lost track of the message. The issues that people are facing in St. George, in Scipio, in Delta are actually very similar to the issues that Hmm. people are facing in Salt Lake City and Bountiful and Farmington. And the number one issue that I hear over and over again is healthcare. Hmm. Another huge issue that I'm hearing everywhere is affordable housing. Hmm. Um, Another really big issue that is facing many of these communities it our jobs. Um, so we're doing great economically. Even though with the uh, economy doing so well, there's still jobs so as an issue? It's, it's, it's a, a jobs issue in some interesting ways. So here in Salt Lake City, largely things are going well. But people haven't seen, workers haven't seen those raises and wages coming necessarily into their pockets, right? So that's a big issue. On top of that, in communities like St. George, I'm talking to people at the Chamber of Commerce that are saying they're developers, they're builders down there. They can't find enough framers, enough skilled workers to meet the demand of the building that they're trying to do the growth that they're trying to meet. We have, last I checked, it was something like 4,000 open tech jobs here in, in, Salt Lake, in Salt Lake County, I believe, so in Utah. Looking for people that can come and fill these, you know, fill these jobs um, is a challenge. Uh, p- places are having a hard time finding, um, like even in my job, right, people who can do that frontline work, things like custodians or landscapers, having a hard time finding people necessarily to do these jobs. And for many people who are in jobs, they're not seeing the kind of wage growth um, that they need to be seeing to keep up with things like the cost of housing and the increasing cost of health care. So on those top three issues that you've been hearing, do you have you divined some solutions or have you come up with some strategies to deal with those things? Yeah. So, I mean, healthcare is the big reason that I'm in this race. And I know we'll spend a little bit more time talking about this. Um, Affordable housing is one that I think we really have to go back and look at this GOP tax plan. That's where they uh, gutted the low-income housing tax credit. That helped developers put low-income units into developments. That's been absolutely um, ravaged by this tax bill. So that doesn't help anyone from St. George to here. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things we need to talk about going forward. Yeah. Yeah. We're having a candid conversation. We'll be back. This is the Voices of Reason podcast. Voices of Reason podcast. I'm Amy Donaldson, and Jason Lee is with us as well. Uh, we're talking to Shireen Gorbani, who is the second congressional district candidate uh, for the Democratic Party. Um, and we were talking about health care. We touched on it as one of the issues that has concerned people in your uh, travels throughout the state. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the good things about uh, the crazy district is that you have been able to see a wide variety of people, right? So yes. you're not just in one in one section of the, of the state. Um, what, what do you... 
what sort of you, I know you had some personal experiences with this, but what do you see as possible solutions to the healthcare issue? Yeah, so I am really running on accessibility and affordability. So it's dealing with the ballooning costs of healthcare. Mm -hmm. And there are some really simple things that we could be doing right now that we could have done you know, years ago that would Mm -hmm. help control the costs. And one of the big ones that I talk about all the time is if we allowed Medicare and Medicaid to negotiate drug prices at the federal level the way that we allow the VA to do, then every single taxpayer, every single person who's paying into that system would be getting a getting a better return on their on their dollar, right? So we would be spending less on health care. That's something that this president, the Trump campaigned on, and we cannot get our Congress to do it. They will not do it. And when we ask why, right? Like why would they be so unwilling to do something that seems so so common sense, right, mm-hmm. to many people. I think we have to look at the influence of, of money in politics. Who's writing them checks? Who's keeping them in power? Um, I'm really proud that I'm running a grassroots campaign. Mm-hmm. I'm completely people-powered. Um, and that means I'm accountable to the voters here in Utah, not the people who are able to write those biggest checks, not the businesses or, or corporate PACs that are able to um, buy, buy their influence, right? Um, so Addressing uh, pharmaceutical costs is another really big one. So everything from the way that drugs are developed, tested, and then especially the marketing of drugs is a place where we could do a lot to control the costs that people are experiencing. So those are two things. Yeah, I have a question about the cost because I think um, the Affordable Care Act, which everyone loves to call Obamacare, but I like to call Affordable Care Act, um, I think it addressed the access and and I also think, though, it unfortunately shifted. It didn't address cost, but it also shifted our focus to health insurance versus health care. Yes. And I think those are two very different things. And I don't know how we get past this obsession with Obamacare. Right. Uh, because I think some of the reluctance of Congress is money, and some of it is they want Obamacare to explode. Yes. Right? They yes. want it to yeah. die. The, a really painful, vote. horrible death. Yep. And, and no going quietly into the good night. They want it to be a disaster. Right. And what that means is a disaster for families for across individuals. the state. Right. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I got into this race because I had to sit around my kitchen table with my family in 2016 and talk about what we might have to sell or do to get access to health care. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky because we had Medicare. It was yeah. there for us. And it's still expensive. Right. So it's still expensive for families. Um, but thinking about more broadly, I'm really ready to move past that conversation, that fight. Yeah. Uh, there are solutions out there. Medicare for all is one of them. Um, There's also a state-based solution, which would clear the way. There's a state-based Universal Health Care Act that would clear the way for states to decide to make a a universal health care system in their own state. I think the way that Utah manages the state, we would do a darn good job managing health care as well. Um, But right now, there are are a few bills and there are a few pieces of legislation that currently exist that are in the way of Utah Utah being able to do that. So I support both paths Mm -hmm. to figuring out how we're going to get access to care. What we know is that we spend more on health care than any other industrialized nation. We sp- if you go to the hospital for a night, you're spending more than anyone else yeah. to, to, pay for that, to pay for that experience. We also know that our health care outcomes are worse. We do not do that great in terms of our overall health care outcomes, mm-hmm. especially true for people of color in this country. And then we also know that 30 million people continue to lack health care, the health insurance. Mm-hmm. So we're spending more than anybody. We have a huge chunk of the population that is uninsured. And what that means is that every single person with health care, whether that's employer-based or they're on Medicare, whatever that may be, we're paying for it. Are you supportive of looking at health insurance benefits that um, are offered by employers as a, you know, as a taxable thing, like to help pay for 
you know, access for everyone? Mm-hmm. I think what, well, what's happening right now, so I'm afraid that that would only continue to, to balloon that cost for people. Mm-hmm. So it that, wouldn't address the cost. It wouldn't it address It addresses cost. paying for access, right. but it doesn't address the cost of it, healthcare. And I do not. agree. I mean, I have had the experience where you can't even get a price before you go somewhere. What is this going to cost me? Exactly. So that's another thing (laughs) we could be doing right now is looking at transparency so Mm -hmm. that people who are having to pay out of pocket or know that they're going to have that high deductible, that they can decide if they have a dislocated shoulder, which emergency room is going to be the right one to go to. They can't, we currently, there's so much, um, it's very hard to see what those costs are going to be. I want to switch real quick because I know Amy wanted to ask about what are your stance? Uh, what are your thoughts on immigration? So my thoughts on immigration are what's happening all uh, at all aspects of uh, of the immigration challenge that we're having is a result of a failure to act. It's a it. What we have is a failure the, to act by whom? By Congress. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> our our congressional representatives yeah. have been largely unwilling to deal with this issue, and that's not reserved for just this Congress. This has been going on, obviously, mm-hmm. for decades now, right? Um, what I have been telling people is that I'm willing to take hard votes to address some of the issues that we're having ahead of dealing with my own reelection. Um, if I have the honor to serve this district, I'm going to work on this issue. And it's personal for me. Um, things like the travel ban personally impact my life. Um, I mentioned earlier that my father was born in Iran. In probably 1986, my grandmother got on a plane in Tehran, flew halfway around the world, and met me once. She got to spend time with us just once. I never saw her again. Um, She died a number of years ago. This ban means that interactions like that between a grandmother and a granddaughter can't happen. That violates our sense of morality and who we are. Thinking about child separation at our borders, again, is just a Uh, is an affront to our values in this country and in this state. Um, And I'm willing to make hard decisions to to look at that. I certainly support um, border security. Um, I believe that we need to invest in that. I also know we have to address this broken system. And where are you with the party system? So the two-party system, I think, has caused a lot of the problems that we're dealing with. And you're running as a Democrat, which is one of the major parties. I mean, have you had a lot of support? Do you feel warm and fuzzy about the Democratic Party? Or would you like to see some changes there? I'd like to see some changes there. Um, I think it's important for people to know I'm not getting support from the Democratic Party generally. We'll talk more about that. You're listening to the Voices of Reason podcast. We're having a candidate conversation. Podcast, along with my colleague Amy Donaldson, we're having a candidate conversation with Democratic candidate for a second district uh, Congress in uh, Utah, Shireen Go- Gorbani. You got it. I'll, I'll keep wanting to. I want to. Uh, to pronounce the H. I do. <laughs> I, I, it's not even. It's not even a joke. I want to say that that's, that can't be right. Okay. So uh, Shireen was explaining to us how with there there needs to be changes. And the way our candidates are selected, particularly as it relates to having right now a, a majority two-party system. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, can, uh, continue. you said that right now you're not even receiving 
support from the Democratic uh, Party? I think there are a lot of red state Dems like me that are out here fighting, um, working to create an option, to create a voice for people who feel unrepresented that aren't receiving even emails back (laughs) (laughs) from from, um, organizations that are, you know, helping Democrats get elected all over this nation. And I I think it's a real disservice to democracy. Um, But I I do think the way that it's set up, it's hard, right? Like you can't spread your resources everywhere. Um, I think we're seeing, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens, continues to happen in these competitive districts where uh, Republicans are dumping millions of dollars into them. I was just going to say, you can continue, you can support everybody if you do it differently yeah if you don't give one guy you know 10 million right <laughs> right then you they're they're putting money into the races they think they can win yes i mean that's what they're doing that's and what instead they're doing. of doing saying we as de- the democratic party or the republican party believe all candidates deserve some level of support because we want choices we want options yep. out there and so it doesn't matter if you can win or if we think you can win right right um because they get proved wrong all the time right um then we're going to give you this level of support, right? Yeah, I, and I again, I just think the thing about it that's pretty incredible is that it really allows me to be responsive and reflective to what I'm hearing in this district, yeah. to be out here talking about the issues that matter in this district, mm-hmm. and I'm going to continue to be a voice for people who feel unrepresented and and invite them to come and, and give me a shot this November. Um, because I, I feel like all I can say is I am, I am people-powered. I'm supported by individuals. I am supported by people who are looking for change. And I'm here to do that. And I will be accountable to this district. Okay, so we're going to do a little rapid fire thing with you. Uh, If you were king or queen for the day, what problem would you solve immediately? Oh, wow. Um, Poverty. Uh, I think so much in our society uh, would be resolved if if we could really address um, just the overwhelming um, barriers that are put up to people that are living near poor or in poverty in our communities. I'm going to ask you a weird question. Uh, we just were uh, a little over a year from Charlottesville. Yeah. There's been these demonstrations going. What do you say to people about the divisiveness that seems to be happening between particularly people of uh, different ethnicities and races? Yeah. So what I've learned, so my team has knocked on over 15,000 doors already. I personally have knocked on hundreds of doors, going out, standing on people's doorsteps and talking to them about the state of this nation. I know that people are ready for change, obviously, on health care, because that's one of the main issues that I talk about. But there's just an overwhelming desire to become more decent and more um, just and equitable in the direction that we're moving in this country. And that's really not reflected in our White House. And I know that it bothers people. Um, There are many people who feel that the hateful rhetoric that's being used in our country right now is is untenable. It's absolutely untenable and unacceptable. Um, and I know that there are people who feel angry about the way that our that things have things have broken out. But one of the biggest disservices that I think has happened is that we have leaders, people in power, that are pitting communities of color against white working class people, when in reality, white working class people and people of color have Have a lot more in common than than those people who are often fomenting that kind of hate or, or really feeding that kind of hate. So for me, it's about just saying, like, we got to take a time out. I understand that people are frustrated about 
immigration um, or, you know, very rarely, but sometimes you hear that kind of rhetoric of, of people take, taking jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, if they were able to make, if that individual was able to make ends meet, to be able to put their kid in college, mm-hmm. to be able to put food on the table and not worry about that, you know, car breaking down or that refrigerator breaking, that they, a lot of that resentment would be resolved. I agree. Um, but instead of looking at what we have in common, <laughs> um, we are being told yeah. to be afraid and to have enemies. And and in our hearts, at our doors, we know that's not right. Well, and I think it, it, it we all want everyone to do better. Yeah. So it's not so much about me versus you. I want us all to do better. And I, um, I mentioned earlier, I went to college in Minnesota where I had the honor of being represented by Senator Paul Wellstone. He's a huge inspiration mm-hmm. to me. And one of the things that he said is exactly that. We all do better when we all do better. So if we are investing in making sure that families are able to put their kids in good schools and get good jobs and send their kids to college or buy that first house, we all do better. We all prosper. So do you have a favorite book? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I've been reading so much poli- like so much yeah. political stuff lately. Yeah. So let me take it back for a second. I would say one of my favorite books. Well, this is a political book, but um, All the King's Men is a great read. Okay. And returning to that uh, pretty recently, I just read it a couple, reread it again a couple summers ago, um, is, a, is a great read. What, what's your favorite movie? Okay. So um, this is a, a little bit strange because I love great movies. I um, had a membership at the Salt Lake um, Film Society. Has, I, there was a year that I saw 42 movies in the theater. I love to see to see films and to just be in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite movies is Reality Bites. It was this like quirky little movie <laughs> wow. with Janine Garofalo and yeah. Ben Stiller and Winona Ryder, and I it just so perfectly yeah. captures I like a moment it, in time I, I know when I was right. in um, junior high. I think it came out. Um, I loved that movie. I watched it so many times. We're getting short on time, so I'm going to ask you, do you have a bucket list? And if so, what, what name one thing that's on it? I don't. I'm not a bucket list kind of person. Um, <laughs> okay, well, do you have a mantra? Do you have a mantra, kind of a motto? Or um, you stole uh, Wellstone's? Uh, yes. Yeah. Wellstone is a big inspiration yeah. to me. Um, lately, you know, lately I've been listening. I get, like, majorly pumped up by music. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm finding a lot of inspiration in uh, Miley Cyrus these days. So I wow. will say, uh, you know, maybe it's like a little party in the USA. You're a but more, woman. But more, it's um, we can't stop and we won't stop. There you go. Give us a uh, sum, sum this whole thing up by telling us why voters should trust you. So I am a person who never anticipated being here. I am not the kind of person who um, imagined one day that I would run for an office like this. I am here because I think that we need a person at the table who is ready and willing to stand up on on the issues that matter most, like health care, education, <laughs> affordable housing, all of these kinds of core issues. That's my priority. And I would really invite people to look at the voting record of their representative and to decide if the votes that he's taken against pieces of the Clean Air Act really fit with what they would like to see happening. Thinking about voting against the Affordable Care Act 40 times, but without a clear plan and solution for how we're going to fix the cost. Those kinds of things need to be looked at closely in this race. And also look at who's supporting the incumbent and who's supporting me. 
I'm very proud of the fact that m- the vast majority of my donations are right around 50 bucks, and they're people who live down the street from you. They live in this community, friends that I've made over the years that are contributing to help keep moving us forward. And we'll be on your doorsteps. We're there talking to you. So um, I would ask the same thing. Is your representative showing up on, on your doorstep and asking for your support? Because I am. And more than that, I'm listening to the kinds of challenges that people are facing every day. And it's honestly, when it comes to healthcare, it is heartbreaking. And we need solutions now. And that's from Escalante to St. George to right here in Salt Lake City. Um, we, need, we need solutions on healthcare. And I'm willing to do that work. Shireen Gorbani, Democratic candidate for Utah's 2nd Congressional District. Thank you very much for joining us. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. Join us for uh, again for the next episode of the Voices of Reason podcast. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at vormed at gmail or vorjasonl at gmail. Or you can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at vorpodcast. And you can also check out our Facebook page and subscribe to episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or other places where you might find interesting podcasts. Be sure to review our show as well. That helps us grow our audience, and we love to get your feedback. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.